Hello. Hey. Hey. Wow, your your computer restored previous version of Windows a lot faster than I was expecting. Yeah, it's a real roller coaster with this thing. I think my very old motherboard is dying. Ah, uh, so it's the logic board, is what you're saying? Um, I wouldn't know about that. Okay, this is more of a PC issue. <laughs> it sounds like a logic board. You should, <laughs> um, do you have you have Apple? I don't care? know if I have you, screwdrivers. Honestly, you have Apple Care, right? Y- yeah. Um, it's Apple Care. Mm. It's the German spelling of Apple. I don't know if they do anything though. Cameron and Brock in the morning. Hey. Oh wow! Uh, Somebody's been awake for a few more minutes than normal. No, I haven't. I, but I did think of that when I was brushing my teeth. Oh, uh, okay. Like, Should I brush my teeth? Oh no! I, well, I mean that's up to you and your microphone, really. You don't brush your teeth when you wake up. I do. Well, it depends on how much time I have to do what I'm supposed to do. Oh. In this case, I was busy restoring windows, apparently. <laughs> uh, in in record time, too. I, 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 I brush my teeth as the first action once I exit a bed. I, I can't get by without it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I made it. Good. Uh, no, I have my coffee. I have my um, ditto, uh, did, ditto, did, ditty. Mm. When I was uh, when I was four years old, I uh, four, three or four, uh, my mother and father were working in the yard, and one was in the front and one was in the backyard, and uh, they were having me send messages. That was that was the courier from the front to the backyard, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, like what uh, what do you want to do to for dinner tonight, kind of stuff. And at one point, my dad just said, "Go tell your mom, ditto." <laughs> And I was very confused, confused enough that that's a strong memory to this day of being like, why, why would I do that? <laughs> what is this code word? Have we advanced our message sending into some sort of, uh, some sort of a, a, a system uh, of, of, of ciphers? Most adult talk sounds like ciphers when you're, <laughs> when you're three young, yeah. Like I mean, sometimes it's true that adults are actively trying to make sure you don't understand what they're saying, and then other times they're getting frustrated that you don't understand what they're saying. So it's yeah. real tricky being three. Oh yeah, my um, my three year old. I I'm not. She. Uh, what I'm starting to realize lately is that um, she just. She rails against being three. I've never known a three-year-old that wanted to be three less than my three-year-old. Um, she asks me if she's four all the time. She doesn't. She wants to reach things and climb things. I mean, a lot of kids are, have ambitions, but she she um, exudes a sort of general dissatisfaction with with being trapped is in her uh, sort of three-year-old state. My three-year-old gets upset if we say he's going to be four. So, I don't know. Maybe they need to talk. <laughs> he probably has some, from perspective, some a little carpe diem is what Felix needs. I think, <laughs> I think he just 
really finally grasped the idea that he's three. It's part of his identity. He doesn't even necessarily know it has to do with time passing, which is a very tough concept for kids to grasp. Mm. So being three is like, you know, being jewels to some degree. So I don't think he wants to change. He likes being what he is. Well, I mean, I I think that's a fairly common, well, that's more common, right? Like the kid who walks up to you and goes, I'm three and holds up three fingers. And that's a big thing for that kid. But no, um, not for Felix. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's indignant about having to, having to deal with the, the all, everything that comes along with being three. So she'll say, am Which I four is, to daddy? So much. <laughs> well, she, she, uh, yeah, she wants to go. She wants to leave. We've had, we've seen her in the, we, she's left the apartment. No, we are, we live in a second floor apartment. And so she, um, will not, would not be able to just get to the street without getting through three doors and a flight of stairs. But she has twice recently, uh, left the apartment and just started heading down the stairs. Um, and we've talked to her about how she should not do that. <laughs> um, yes, I I had a similar problem. I guess it started with my oldest, Winston, and we installed slide locks at the top of all of our doors. Oh, yeah. To uh, prevent younger children's exits. Turns out it effectively prevents young children's exits in anyone who's not familiar with our house's exit. <laughs> so a regular event, if we have people over, is a a struggle to exit our house at some point. <laughs> the, uh, did you, did you, uh, did you ever run away when you were a kid? Like you ever have the, um, the day where you were just so upset, you're like, I'm going to run away. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely felt that way before when I was a kid, but I didn't imagine I was really running away. It was more like, I'm going to go hang out in the woods until it's dark and then <laughs> grumpily come back. I'm going to conditionally run away temporarily. You'll just show you. I think yeah. I, I think I ran away one time. I'm thinking back and I'm, I'm fairly certain I threatened to run away. And then I don't think I did the full Calvin and Hobbes, like pack a meal and you head for like Canada a hobo thing. Pack. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, whatever that's called, the little sachet thing that you put on the end of the stick. I don't think I went that far, but I do, I do think I at least left the house under auspices of f- going to find a nicer family <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I mean, are we talking like four year old Cam or sixteen year old Cam? I, I, hey, by sixteen, I was I was kicking down doors and and taking names. Um, it was it, this was early on. Okay, um, I was probably I was probably four or five or six, like in there somewhere. I mean, it doesn't the the age that that you could unironically say that you run away and then execute on it, you know. If, uh, aside from various extenuating actual family circumstances that some folks might have, like there, your mobility that that sort of like crossover between your your mobility uh, capabilities and your basic rationality 
it only lasts for a couple of years. Then you're old, <laughs> then you're old enough to know that that's a stupid thing to do. Yeah, I was never one to try to rock the status quo too much. Yeah, I'm sure that's surprising. <laughs> I would love to run away, but I'm so, uh, I just don't want to cause conflict, says Brock. Um, Six-year-old yeah, Brock. pretty much. I can imagine like five-year-old Brock thinking, I'm dissatisfied with this situation, but I've thought that the likelihood of another situation being much better or different than this is low, and I don't want to risk the intermediate sort of Lack of stability, so I'm just going to go into my room. That's See, probably my, how my brain worked. See that? There's that rationality kicking in. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, coffee. What do you want to? Would uh, you have anything on the docket for this week of Cameron and Brock are two people in the podcast in which Cameron and Brock share notes on life? Hmm. Well, let's see. Is there anything topical? That was interesting or anecdotal from a week. Hmm. I don't have anything brilliant. I'm currently sporting a bacon grease burn that left a, a stunningly um, defined pattern on my wrist. I was initially worried that it was almost a swastika. And oh. I'm I'm not really exaggerating there. But the way it bent and turned and how angry and red it is, I'm going to say it's like the phoenix. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if it was a swastika, you would just have to continue cooking bacon until you finished it out. Uh, just kind of fill in the, the edges there. That's obviously your okay. only play. Just sort of like when you're a kid and you're doodling and it starts to look like something... Mm -hmm. bad so you just keep doodling around it until it's like a unrecognizable square yeah exactly you just turn it into one of those s things with the line in the middle uh, uh that would be a, a real trick but i'm gonna say it's a phoenix rising out of the ashes of the bacon i knew a girl in college who uh said that she wanted to get a phoenix tattooed on her wrist and i'm fairly certain that she never did that now she runs a very large uh greeting card company Wow, there's a moral there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Probably. She had gotten that Phoenix, everything would have gone differently. So uh, how, were, were, was the, why, how did you manage to burn yourself with bacon grease? Um, this is as good as, as good a topic as any. Dive right in here. <laughs> Tell us about your you bacon know grease burn, how Brock. When you your wife's out of town, you think, I'll just cook every barbecue I can think of and then invite whoever wants to come over. But I ended up with, at one point, four children and me at the house while I was cooking lots of things. And I was baking some bacon to put in some greens. And as I opened the oven, of course, all the kids are drawn to it. <clears throat> but so, <laughs> like some kind of fairy tale or something. And um, so... I'm surrounded by children and trying to fend them off and telling them it's a hot oven and in the midst of a a baking frenzy. And, uh, yeah, it was sort of like I stiff-armed one. Actually, it was 
a little entertaining. I stiff-armed one kid to get him away from the oven, and then I pulled it up with the other hand, this pan full of bacon, bacon grease. Oh. Alighted oh. onto the, my other wrist. And so I threw the pan down onto the countertop. Luckily, I got that there. I slammed the oven shut. I spun around and cursed in front of all the children. <laughs> and then our uh, dishwasher was all the way open. And so I spun around, cursed. My next step landed on the open dishwasher door, which caused it to like sort of bend uh, in a bad way a little bit. So far, it's been working. I don't know. If, <laughs> it's a little wonky now. But then that caused me to tumble over and sort of hit the deck on the other side of the dishwasher. And I just sort of laid there for a second, composing myself. And then I ran cold water over my wrist for a while. <laughs> that that felt like the uh, you know the old like oh your dog died how'd the dog die well the the wall fell in and hit the dog oh how, why the wall fell in it turns out the house burned down you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, you could have led with that <laughs> yeah good yeah good gracious uh, okay let's see backing up um, stepping on a dishwasher arguably worse than kicking the dishwasher with your shin because uh, i mean I, i've done that or, or like you you can screw up the housing of the dishwasher uh you can screw up the door like you're dealing with a, 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 a personal injury slightly lower but the risk of um extremely inconvenient appliance damage a lot higher yeah um, plus i installed that myself it's a bit of a personal uh, blow if it were to be broken Nice. Two two houses two uh two places we lived to go. Uh we rented a house and the dishwasher uh I remounted the dishwasher because those the people who we rented from were very sweet but incredibly bad uh handymen or handy uh house housekeepers. I don't know. They they just did a terrible <laughs> everything I found that they had done themselves in the house was done in like the shittiest possible way. <laughs> and they had they had like uh, taken just t two screws that were around some, you know, just here's here's a screw. This is fine. And just sort of like screwed the dishwasher up into the um, the press board, uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. and and it was like there were chunks taken out of it and stuff, and the dishwasher was all askew. And I don't know. I went back in there and did it right. Uh, point, uh, uh, that that was boring. Um, no, but your, your story much more exciting. There's action. There's there's uh, intrigue. There's an antagonist. Um, so you gotta you gotta threaten the children with no bacon unless they're all sitting at the table. That's my right. I hesitate. I suppose you could call it an antagonist, but if it has no specific will to be so. So if anyone's familiar with um, role-playing D&D sort of groupings of, I think you've mentioned it on. Alignment charts. Look, yeah, if you don't know what an alignment neutral, chart is. Yeah. Children are chaotic neutral, um, in my opinion. I, some would say <laughs> evil, but I don't think so. They're, <laughs> they're much more generally neutral, but thrive on chaos and unpredictability. So, yeah, it was sort of me versus the universe there. Mm. I was going to say the universe is a pretty good antagonist. Entropy, the unyielding march of time, all all good antagonists in certain stories. Weather, not bad. I mean, there, there's plenty of that. 
I mean, there's the what's that uh, James Franco movie where he saws his arm off? The antagonist is the boulder that's crushing his arm. <laughs> it could be anybody, anything. That's true. I, I guess when I hear antagonist, I think evil, which isn't necessarily true. But I think it's pretty well accepted that only humans can be considered to be um, perpetrating evil and not nature. And I hold children in the nature category for they're a just, while. They're just sort of characters on planet Earth up until they're old enough to actually plot against you in any real fashion. They're just looking yeah. for food. <laughs> it is true. It's just like, I mean, that, that leopard uh, that we just watched on planet Earth 2, and there is a, a, well, I think they're actually lions. They're trying to catch a giraffe. Have you seen this part? There's a... I think I did, yeah. Yeah, boy, that giraffe could... I did not know a giraffe. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Their legs are very long, but a giraffe just booking it across the desert trying to outrun these lions. And the lions are herding the giraffe into, like, this one lion. Like, the lead lion is ready to pounce. And the lead lion pounces, and at the scale that a lion is from, like, to a giraffe... It jumps in the air and looks like when your like house cat jumps at like a like a ball of yarn that you're dangling at the end of a string. <laughs> like the the lion is so small compared to the giraffe, and it just sort of like jumps into the air, makes it about torso height to the giraffe, and then just bounces off the giraffe, and the giraffe like <laughs> takes off. Like I can't. It's it was hilarious first of all, but also you can't. Yeah, the giraffe, the lion's just looking for food. You're, they're 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 not evil. Uh, this isn't the Lion King. They aren't. There's not an evil lion uncle. Ah, yeah. Uh, the, this is the, everyone in that situation is just looking out for number one. Your kids, they're just looking for food. Um, they don't understand unless they end up burned by the bacon grease that the bacon is not food until it cools the hell off. Um, but like, I don't know. I guess uh, you've traumatized them by cursing at your children, so they, they've learned their lesson. I, there was one they were person who seemed burned. traumatized by this event, and <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I was just listening to a uh, um, the, the uh, McElroy's podcast, the, the, the My Brother, My Brother and Me, and their oldest McElroy brother um, talked about how he is really in, is totally fine with letting their daughter curse. She's like... Mm, two, three, something like that. And uh, Shane and I talked about that for a second. It never even occurred to me to uh, to let our yeah. kids curse. Abigail and I had a conversation similar to that, um, where it was, what, how much should you avoid cursing in front of your children, which is really an indirect conversation about how much do you what is your point and how much do you not want your children to curse? Right. That's like the next step down the line. But, but the one after like, <gasps> daddy said the S word down to like your kids actually cursing. So, um, I, well, quickly, I think my take on it was that I don't have a, I don't think curse cursing curse words i don't think they have any inherent um immoral essence right <laughs> i think that it's very much relates to uh how that's perceived in society i think that a kid 
needs to understand how to interact with their own culture and society in a way that is appropriate and controlled to put across what they want to put across, right? Yeah. And so at a certain age, up to a certain age, those are tools that they're not really going to understand how to use appropriately, and it's going to come across. They're going to not be able to control what they're trying to get across in society um, in that way, I think. And so <clears throat> I think they're morally neutral in a lot of in a lot of circumstances. Chaotic neutral. Also, how they're used, I mean, generally they're only used for negative situations. Um or to express certain emotions. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things that it's not a tool they need or are able to use well for a little while. I, I, I agree. That's Shannon and I, uh, uh, came to the same conclusion for similar reasons. Like the, uh, a big part of us, in the way that we try to treat little to treat our kids is to give them as much credit as possible uh, in terms of like the like we don't really talk down to them and like we give them the full reason for everything all the time and things like that. But if there's one thing that I do give a kids a lot of leeway in, it's understanding context. And we try to give them consistent feedback across contexts because understanding context, specifically like social context, is probably the hardest part about being a human in a lot of ways. Uh, but -hmm. especially being a kid, like you, you, and I I mean, my, we're dealing with my son who, uh, like as we've discussed on previous podcasts needs the most consistent possible instruction across various things, uh, to the point where he gets distressed if he like, if he hasn't washed it, like he, he, every single meal, he asks if he should wash his hands and if she, he should do it with soap. And it's because sometimes, you know, maybe you're in a hurry or like you're out somewhere or whatever. And you're like, oh, you don't need to wash your hands, you know, or maybe like, oh, oh you've just been inside today. Just go rinse them off real quick. So there's three possible answers to should I wash my hands? And he never knows which one he's going to get because there isn't what he wants is some sort of like guide like flow chart of like scenarios in which he should or shouldn't watch his hands. And we haven't given him like a consistent answer and it stresses him. Right. Super hard. If you wanted to give him a flow chart of when to call someone a bastard, right. That's going to be a real complicated flow chart involving a lot of things that he may not be. Well, yeah. And it's going to sort of spiral downwards recursively. Right. It depends on who you're talking to. And in the case of calling someone a bastard, I don't think anyone in 2018 is calling anyone a bastard like uh, seriously. So then you're getting into cursing for like humorous effect, which involves like who you're around and who you're talking to and whether the thing you're saying is actually funny and a million other things. Kids aren't funny anyway. Not funny like that anyway. Uh, I think I think jokes are a perfect example of how kids don't really understand context. That's sort of a huge main part of a joke mm-hmm. and their jokes very easily expose their lack of <laughs> right context uh yesterday at breakfast felix said knock knock and i said who and she, she said a chicken and i said a chicken who and she said moo so that's kind of where we're at with jokes um you know i'll give her a little credit that's not there's some connecting lines there 
Yeah, I think sure, you know where I, that'll go. But <laughs> she was as surprised as us that we thought that was funny. There was a humor in the unexpected there. Of course, it, then she told the joke again to someone else at the breakfast table. So then you lose the humor of the unexpected slightly. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's yeah context, right? Like so that um, I, we probably mentioned before, but like the reason one of the reasons we don't spank is is also context it's that explaining to a kid that a thing is wrong that certain places but right other places is um oftentimes like in like not worth the effort like that's that complexity might not be worth the effort of just getting them to understand like a a, a rule in a more broad sense like these are adult words you can use them later is a lot clearer than uh here are some really subtle nuances around when you can and can't use these words good luck (laughs) yeah yeah that's exactly it for whatever reason i mean it's an interesting phenomenon in itself curse words and and how that gets that way and how people react but yeah yeah it's very clear to me that it is a complicated social endeavor (laughs) <laughs> more so than a lot of things. Well, and I, I aim to give it like uh, give it its due uh, in a way that my parents did not. Um, we've we've uh, previous episode gone into some depth talking about your family uh, and their uh, their mechanical solutions to uh, avoiding curse, curse words in the household, namely a box that detected curses on your movies and muted the TV so that no one could. Uh, no one could sully their right. ears with so the curses. You can, I'm assuming you're guessing that my parents were on one end of the spectrum. C- certainly, to a degree that it, they, they, uh, yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's that address, that way of addressing the curses. Uh, my family uh, was uh, is my my parents do sort of have a um, adversarial relationship with with the curses. Um, but also in sort of like a dismissive fashion, like they have the, uh, well, if you had to use that word, then you need to work on your vocabulary sort of approach to the curses. Right. Um, So it's, it's, it's patronizing uh, on top of everything else. Uh, That is only (laughs) true. That is only true in a sense, right? There are people I know that substitute. It's like using, it's like overusing superlatives as well, in my opinion, when you come at it from that direction. If if you dilute your own language with too many repetitive words or too many, in this case, exclamations, right? Expletives. The, the point yeah. of, yeah, well, exclamations generally <laughs> expletives in one specific sense. I see. You, uh, yeah, you just, you dilute the meaning uh, in the force behind what you're saying. If you say everything is amazing and the greatest and the best, you know, nothing really seems that way. And if you're using expletives in strings to describe everything, then the very power of them just sort of vanishes much less your perceived sort of intelligence or ability to get your point across in a 
specific way or a dynamic way. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. That's the best I could say. Uh, that, that, yeah. To me, that, that just that cuts across all uses of all words, which I think is a, a fair assessment. Like uh, to, to just say that someone, uh, someone needs to work on their vocabulary because they keep using these seven words uh, is, is, uh, uh, it's, yeah, that's uh, that attitude, that attitude of like prejudging a thing based on that, based on my estimation of that person's vocabulary, based on those usage of those words is something I don't want to do with my kids. Give them a little bit more, give people a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Um, overall, do you, yeah, we all, and we all fall into speech patterns, which is, disturbingly apparent if you ever record a podcast and then listen to it. I try not to time. That seems like a terrible idea. I, I don't either, but I'll listen to bits and pieces just to see how it sounds. Yeah. And I won't speak for you, but I, for myself, <laughs> I, I catch phrases that I say over and over in ways. And in the moment you're not thinking about it, but yeah, it's actually interesting. And it's made me think, to be a little more conscious of how I'm structuring sentences or pausing a little bit less and trying to push forward with ideas. <clears throat> so, yeah, we all have that repetitiveness. But with repetitive cursing, it adds the element of emotional exhaustion. So it <laughs> it sort of defeats its own usage. I remember uh, the like standing in line for a movie – with you in probably 2001 or two, because I feel like I'd come back from college and we were at a movie, maybe in the summertime, standing in front of the the uh, the rave, the big theater in Pensacola. Oh yeah, opened the rave, the rave, uh, and uh, and we were standing with a buddy of yours, I think from work, and I didn't know him, and he uh, he definitely seemed like someone had maybe gifted him a book about cursing like maybe in the week prior and he was going through some sort of an exercise um so sort of a, like an early drill where where they you know chapter 3 chapter 1 welcome to to how to curse the book chapter 2 here's a full list of cursing if you want the you know definitions they're in the glossary chapter 3 let's let's try just cursing as much as possible this just for one week just really sh- stretch the limits of how many curses you can curse in, in a sentence. That's kind of where I felt like he was at that day. Um, as, as pragmatic as I want to be about this, uh, that, that would, that guy, I remember thinking that like, this is this guy to my dad or whatever, who always like rolls his eyes and, and sort of like, you know, sneers at, at almost every expletive, uh, this guy, is the embodiment of what my dad thinks people who curse sound like. It was, I don't know, man. He was, uh, he was a guy. Do we, I don't know who this was. Yeah. He was, I uh, mean, um, black, sort of black mm. fuzzy hair kind of, I want to say like around our height, shorter hair. Uh, I think he had glasses. He may have had glasses. I don't know. We were just, we were standing. It was a movie that was busy enough well, that we were standing I, we'll, in line we'll, we'll outside the range. We will use names to yeah. pr- protect all identities. Protect the innocent. I, I'll treat you. Well, yeah. Well, was he innocent? 
in your estimation and your reevaluation <laughs> of the situation, maybe he was. You know, the po- this podcast dedicated. Role, this podcast role is to to assume all of them um, are innocent until proven guilty on some other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's you, the uh, that's you, our that's the one only accessed through our Patreon account, <laughs> where we where we just trash everyone right. with their full names and current re- residents. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that was. Um, I never saw him again. There is a stereotype. It's true. Well, okay, I must not really like the guy. Maybe I was hallucinating a cursing man next to us in line at the movie. I, I don't know. Look at that. At that age, they could have they could have been much more mild than we imagine now. Because I think we both had a fairly sensitive ear for that. <laughs> man, it, it does seem culturally true that educated people appear to select their words more carefully in their variety and meaning. So I can see that. And I think that does serve me well, having not thought of it as a overly normalized activity. You know, kids, they're angsty and stuff, so it's really appealing. And then that can become a habit. And I think it, it can with anything, but those kind of words have a specific usage and emotional context, I think it could quickly become like a, um, it doesn't set you apart at all, especially if you're meaning to be an intentional person. I think for what it's worth, I did appreciate that that's the result of it. Um, A negative result could have been that I always was, had the childlike view of it, of sort of fearing its use just by, you know, some kind of unexplored definition of being bad, which, you know, I don't know. I feel like some people are there still. Well, I, I think the, uh, uh, the another thread that, that crosses various topics that we talk about is the difference between uh, figuring something out for yourself and then uh, and assigning uh, judgment or... Uh, assigning those standards uh, externally. Um, like I, I generally agree with you. I'm like my, I would say my language changes depending on who I'm hanging out with and things like that. But what I try to avoid is the um, like overt judgment, especially in front of the kids, like the overt judgment of um, somebody's language choices representing something else, like representing their inability to have, uh, like there, you end up with like a preoccupation of like of the language or of the like the bad words that were used to say a thing in front of everything else. Like to my to this day, my family when they talk about movies, if there is a bunch of or if the movie has has many curses, um, that will come up in the first like three sentences of talking about a movie. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, that movie was really good. Wish it didn't have to have all that language in it, but you know that kind of thing." And I just. I want, I like, you can, you can work on your own vocabulary your entire life and always try to get a little bit better with how you express things, um, without, um, without dragging everyone else and everything else along with you on that journey. Um, you know? Right. Yeah. And again, it is slightly different, but what if we had, 
watched a movie and somebody had said, that was a pretty good movie, but <clears throat> that language was just so banal. It, it was a, a small pool of words and they were just used repetitively and it did not help me build my uh, ability to communicate with others whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> it's safe to say no one's ever heard anyone say that until this moment. Um, but isn't it, is it not a little bit the same as what we're trying to say? I, what do you mean? Are you saying that that would be a Otherwise, good conversation to I mean, have or not? Is it not, an, is it not analogous to the other conversation your family just had? Uh, yeah. I, I think that both scenarios are just very me centric, right? It's, it's like, uh, the, uh, I, uh, you know, this, this movie had many bad words and I be, if, if that were me, I would feel this way about it. So I'm therefore going to judge this, like this movie's dialogue based on, you know, the standards I've set out for myself. You know what I mean? So like, or the same could yeah, go the other no, way that, of like yeah that's a whole the yeah I'm not advocating <clears throat> I'm not advocating for saying that oh okay <clears throat> I, I think I was, it's funny that I, we never we never take that um we see that as somehow separate uh, okay and if you can pick movies apart for being overly one thing or another for any reason um I think it's fine as long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing right if you're uh, if the movie's about um, people who are supposed to act like that, then it's 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 effective and normal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of saying it's. I think it's connected with the idea of garbage in, garbage out. Where sure. if you put a lot of things that aren't good in, bad stuff comes out, yeah. and to a degree. <clears throat> It's tr it's true in the sense that you shouldn't just expose yourself to any one thing overly because it will start to, I think, one-dimensionalize you in that way. And I don't mm -hmm. think that's good for any case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Well, I mean, the... the uh yeah, I in the in uh it. Ugh. Are you still there? There was a weird click. Yeah, it's not a special case. I think okay. trying to be a a uh well rounded person is a general effort that you should make. Yeah, I mean uh, the even the garbage in garbage out thing, the, the too off too often uh I think especially growing up, everything was reduced to the three kids in mind.com ratings of, is there a lot of language in this? Is there a lot of violence in this? Is there a lot of sex in this? Which simplifies many ideas down to uh, various, like <clears throat> quantifiably uh, distasteful um, parts. And like, there isn't a quit kids in mind rating for uh, how is this, uh, what's the humanitarian effect of this? Or like, um, does this, is this, uh, uh, is this hurting an already hurt, uh, you know, minority? Is this, is this, uh, 
you know, you know what I mean? There's, there's not a, it lets you kind of pluck out bad things without actually judging it, like the overall tenor. Well, you're saying that there's a limited amount of judgments they're making about the movie and it's, it's <clears throat> restricted to traditional sort of vices, right? Um, exposure to traditional vices. Although I don't know that I would, I mean, you could read a review. I don't know that I would trust a site that's, trying to moralize to me about something because that's going to be very perspective based from whatever they're coming from. Well, that's, but yeah, I, that's I, why it's ultimately all uh, you know, it's all of somewhat foolish to try to break down. Cause there's, you know, uh, that's the point of, of, of hopefully a good movie is that it's, it's the well, message is complicated. Were, right. If things were rated that way, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Fern Gully. I I do vaguely remember Fern Gully. Is that the one with the like bat thing? And then like there's pollution. That's yeah, it's I, it's like uh, the corporations are trying to cut down the forest yeah, to make he, elevator buttons. No, that was a liberal. That was a liberal environmentalist movie. We weren't allowed to watch that movie. Well, right. So that should have been rated. Maybe there's a separate rating system, um, <laughs> depending on your point of view. Like if you're a liberal and there's too much patriotism and guns in a movie that that could get pushed down the scale. Maybe like a sort of marking like L 13 J for jingoistic. Yeah. If you're, if you're conservative, um, in the movies talking about, uh, capitalist greed and uh, pollution and such, you know, that's going to get an R 13 rating. I see. Um, and uh, I definitely feel that there's movies in both directions. I mean, that one particularly, It here's the thing. It really was heavy-handed and absurd in the way it treated that issue. Yeah. But I remember being a kid, like, I wasn't stupid. Like, I saw the absurdity in a lot of what was being presented to me. And I didn't need to be told it was nonsense. I just needed to be given, like, like some kind of context to know, okay, this isn't completely normalized, but it's also like, whatever, just listen to what it you know says and know that, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, just information exposure. So yeah, I'm not going to recommend that rating system, but I guarantee you it'd be popular. It would absolutely be popular, although the one the kidsinmind.com dot com is more or less the R system. Um, with, without like, I guess it would need one more scale for like, uh, uh, like uh, like liberal trigger words or something. Oh yeah, no, there's that would be a really big one, I think, for the the liberal. And when I say liberal, I think we all understand our current political definition of liberal, not like belief in a liberal democracy or something no. but um yeah trigger words that'd be pretty good um Ugh, i'm tired i'm tired just uh, thinking let about me that. rephrase also i don't think that uh i said patriotism i think a better word would have been to say nationalism i followed you up I, think, with, I followed you up with jingoism it's cool okay all right yeah. thanks i just want to you know yeah not uh I mean, I am definitely trying to overly uh, blanket stereotype the different extremes of opinions, but I want to do it in the most accurately 
sensitive way possible, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's okay. You can also just lean into your opinion. This is our podcast. No one's going to interrupt. You can write Cameron and Brock at gmail.com if you want to complain. Uh, oh, please do. Ask questions. I mean, if there's something I could say that's offensive that would make someone write in. I mean, at this point, we're just two lonely people sitting by a landline phone waiting for Wait. anyone to talk to us. Even like a telemarketer to call. Oh, that's that's the only people who call my phone are my, my mother and, and then telemarketers and, and offices that need to make appointments with me. Mm-hmm. I found you just said, say your opinion. And if it's not apparent from what I've already expressed on the podcast, it's becoming increasingly frustrating to have strong opinions um, about specific matters outside of taking literal action because that's sort of where it transitions to, okay, I can't figure out what the best course of action is here for sure, but I'm just going to take a path that sort of balances my best knowledge at the time. So, yeah, yeah like I don't <clears> – I, I really don't strongly associate with a, anything – in a broad sense, like, am I going to subscribe to the R or the L rating system? Right. Um, it doesn't mean I don't have opinions, especially about specific actions taken in a moment. But it seems to be better when it's narrowed down pretty far. And the further you back out, the more I feel it's sort of impossible to be righteously engaged in an ideal um, from too far for from too far back of a perspective, you know, because it's just there's a lot of ways to understand life. Yeah, I I I don't know. I think that that um, like I, I'm uh, looking right now at a bumper sticker I got in the mail. Uh, is a a bumper sticker? I have a bumper sticker on my windowsill here. Uh, it's it's an ACLU bumper sticker because I don't I got into donating to the ACLU for like a second like a year or two ago when the stuff with around the uh, de- deportations got really bad and there was a big wave of ACLU donations and stuff and they made like a zillion dollars ACLU got like nine times their annual <laughs> donation rate or something which is why I I turned off the donation to do that for other people who need it a little bit more um, but they they sent me this bumper sticker it says let people vote. ACLU. Um, and, uh, and a, I, like, I think anybody could agree with that statement. Well, that's what you would think, right? But, like, that's not actually the case. And the subtext of the bumper sticker is, um, is, it's, I think that, like, that is an, an unambiguously true statement. Um, and, but there are many people who do not. Uh, and there are, there, they, there was the Supreme Court decision, like, two days ago that um, it wasn't quite as overtly damaging as people freaking out on Twitter. My Twitter made it out to be. Um, but my understanding is that it uh, allowed, I think Ohio to remove people from the voter roll if they had been, um, if they have been inactive for two years uh, and not, not voted for two years. And there, the, 
very real reason that that kind of stuff happens. And it apparently was already happening in a few other states. And this is more dangerous in terms of like a precedent for other right wing states, uh, right leaning states is that it, uh, it allows them to trim off a lot of the, what ends up being a very left heavy demographic of like a marginalized people, people, you know, it's hard to get to a voting station. The U S unlike many countries does not have a national holiday on voting day. And, uh, um, like the, 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 uh, I was told growing up by parents and grandparents that the Democrats would put homeless people on buses and bus them to the voting booths, um, to get them all to vote for Clinton. Um, so this is <laughs> the, the let people vote thing, uh, is automatically, uh, sort of has all of that built into it for me. Um, and I know that's why it's there. Um, and uh, and it it takes a, uh, a what you would think is like a three word unimpeachable. We could all agree with this stance. But if I oh, I'm not going to put a bumper sticker on my car literally for anything. Um, but if I did put this bumper sticker on my car, it says let people vote ACLU. Um, that changes no one's minds because I from my background from from uh, like a uh, my current stance and almost everyone I know now in a city like this. Um, they're like, yeah, cool. Civil liberties. Awesome. Letting people vote. Sweet. Cool bumper sticker, man, whatever. Um, but for literally everyone I grew up with, there is a very, very loud, it's a basically a giant thing on the back of your car that says I vote Democrat. Like now, does it say ACLU on it? It does. It says let people vote ACLU. Even if it said let people vote there though, like that already, that already is too much. Like that already is is highly partisan to, to the conservative, uh, sort of way I was raised. It is partisan and Mm -hmm. perhaps it's that it's not that I think the people are very different to imagine that, sorry, to imagine that the, um, democratic, um, politicians as a whole are somehow much more magnanimous um, humanitarians. I I think that would be a tough sell. You would see different (laughs) skews in personality and and demographics. Admittedly, it's not completely the same, but the same politicians that are perpetrating on one side – perceived evil you know they're just they're trying to when some of their tactics have multiple reasons you know it's not fully like hey look over there but you want they're sort of ignoring the uh very negative consequences of some of their tactics sure yeah right so why i say this is not to excuse behavior but to say that Associating it associates it with a political um uh associates it with a political angle. And so you might fall into the same trap as they are where you associate the fact that you want people to be able to vote and 
have access in the ways that you think they should with um, a specific political party. And they associate what that political party is doing on the whole as negative. And so what they're supporting, they're suspicious about because it's really like this game against each other. And so you're sort of fighting at a level where people aren't being considered in the same ways. And so I guess what I'm saying is when you're putting like the literal political system, who's voting for what reasons and all this stuff, it becomes, it becomes confused as to what you're actually arguing for or against because people really largely are the same. They're just raised different ways. They have different priorities. They care about different things. They're almost uniformly selfish in the same ways. Some cultures tend to give a worse outlet to some selfish behaviors and such. Mm -hmm. So that being said, when I see things like that, I, if I have a negative reaction, it's because I think it might be pushing an oversimplification of the issue yeah to to push action how could someone try to stop someone from voting right and like the other side really thinks that's what they're doing on purpose some people yeah like you've got these electioneers mm-hmm. that just don't give a shit you know they're like I, maybe they don't i don't know maybe they've forgotten what they're doing anymore um but yeah i think that's where some of this inability to see what the other person's saying completely, right? Like everyone should vote doesn't say that to them. Yeah. Um, It it represents a lot of other things. And, and, uh, I, I don't know though. I, cause I, uh, what I worry about and like, we will talk, we will for sure talk about this more, not today because I'm still sort of processing the, uh, the handbook that I got out of storage from, from summit. Um, but I really do want to address some stuff in there. Uh, the, I look at it as, um, yes, there are many angles to many topics. Uh, you know, voting rights is not as simple as a bumper sticker. Um, but there, it is possible to overcomplicate something to the point that you end up on the exact wrong side of it. And like the means that, that some things are, or should be simple. And some, some ideals are ideals for a reason. And I think that, you know, it's on a person by person basis, but I think that, um, sometimes stepping back and looking at the ideal again, and if you look at the ideal and then you notice that you are at odds with it completely, the means to which you got became at odds with it um, shouldn't be as important as where you ended up. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like if you end up, um, if, if there's something that should be a, like a one sentence, yes or no, and you, you spend, you know, 30 minutes describing all the nuances of something and you end up with a clear no on something that is a clear, that should be a clear yes. Um, I think that, that, er, that is worthy of more reflection. Like you, the means, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like that, that you should take something that's as simple as let people Yeah, vote. if you follow your, lo- if you follow your logic to its ends and you end up saying things that, 
are practically against what you would would actually do in a situation, yeah. then you might want to rethink the framework of your logic that you've put in place that would lead you to such a conclusion. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's like, actually this actually up is down. Like, you know, you actually yourself in away from the ideal and it's either because you, it's really for two possible reasons. One is, uh, because I mean, there's for like with the let people vote thing, um, there's a subtext there of, um, you know, obviously keeping, uh, the, the, between gerrymandering and, uh, and limiting voter rolls and things like that. There's a lot of techniques that seem relatively overtly to keep the, um, the right wing politicians in power. Obviously whatever party's in power wants to remain in power. Uh, I mean like, like the liberal parties gerrymander. I mean like, it goes back and forth. It's uh, not always that case. Sure. Right now, it's definitely yeah. I can't speak to that so much as the, like the party's in power. Yeah, uh, and like the, what are the what are the means that to which they're going to, uh, you know, uh, try to remain in power? Like what rules are they willing to bend? Like in Pennsylvania, I think they're they're still fighting the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court gerrymandering decision and threatening to impeach the Supreme Court and all this stuff, even though like. It, literally anyone looking at a at a voting map of of Pennsylvania f- should you know they're they're absurd shaped uh, uh, voting areas. Uh, Chicago is actually the same way. There's one district in Chicago that's like this giant U that cuts across the city into all the affluent neighborhoods. Um, but uh, anyway, like yeah, through through whatever means, there are rules that are bent and things like that, and. Um, you could say that all of that is, uh, you know, on the on the least uh, morally dis- like uh, distasteful angle of that could just be, hey, whatever party's in power wants to remain in power, um, and also we want to eliminate voter fraud, and also uh, the because of the other things this is a big one, obviously, but because of whatever other platform ideals the Republican Party has, I'm willing to bend on this or that issue. Um, and because like I'm playing defense against what I see as like, as like an act, like a much more harmful party if they were in power. Right mm-hmm. now the, uh, that's on the, like the night, the most benefit of the doubt end. And on the other end, you could say, um, that like the, uh, the Republican party also represents marginalization of, of, uh, of, of, uh, the poor and of the minorities. And this is, these are, uh, tech tactics that, remove voting power from um, either non-affluent and or, you know, non-white people. And that this is uh, pushes us forward down the line of, of nationalism slash white supremacism and things like that. Um, So like, you know, like, and so you could either uh, take the motivation of uh, uh, the, of disliking the let people vote sticker. You could either say, Oh, someone doesn't like that because they are, um, they're more interested in defending their party or they don't like it because they're racist. You know, like you could, right, right. you could take it all the way there. Um, I, I guess my point is just like, uh, there, there are, I think there are definitely openly 
malevolent reasons to dislike the bumper sticker, but there are also people who's who not everyone's mo- motivations are good. I really don't think all, everyone's motivations are good or morally justifiable, but there are people who to whom they're they're they are uh they have been trained off of a phrase that should be relatively harmless because of all the other things it represents. And those people are not like overt racists or anything like that, but they are playing defense against a variety of keywords and phrases. Like we were talking about earlier with the R rating. I wasn't joking. Like there's totally words that um, can't be used if you're a, a Republican without someone rolling their eyes or it represents uh, political correctness or whatever. You know, like if I said the word uh, tolerance, the word tolerance is unusable by the right at this point. Right. And again, these, it's, it's a, it's a largely a sad side effect of language becoming owned by certain ideas and groups, I yeah. think. Because, like you're saying with tolerance, it's because tolerance doesn't mean tolerance now. It means tolerance as defined by the policies of the U.S. Democratic Party in this context. Um, not the idea of tolerance in their day-to-day life. Like, most of these people in their day-to-day life, like with people they meet and interact with, do advocate tolerance, etc. cetera, right? Um, so it, it seems unfortunate. So when you see, you know, let people vote, that means support uh, policies that um, allow or try to encourage a demographic of people to be legal voters that will almost certainly vote for the opposite party, right? That's seen, and so there's no discussion there. There's, if there was a group of people that was trying, was being harassed to vote for whatever race or creed, and it was clearly that they were lining up with the Republicans and they were getting a hard time for whatever reason and it wasn't it wasn't overtly racial or personal but you know they'd see that sign and say yeah let people vote like it's yeah so on the other uh, hand like that's a one of these situations is real and one of them is hypothetical you know like you it's it is it is difficult because I I think that <laughs> to prove like, but to prove actual uh, moral malicious intent is a lot harder and I would say it's impossible to say you know yeah it would be just as hard to say it doesn't exist but <clears throat> well it's is is does it at the end of the day uh, does it uh, <clears throat> the result doesn't it doesn't isn't affected by the intent that got you there i guess um, right and i think we had talked about this before um maybe as a sidebar like emailed each other but mm. there's a lot of political philosophy out there that advocates if you want to strip down the present day just to talk about political philosophy which i won't because somebody will fall asleep mm. um just to, suffice it to say, there's a lot of very thoroughly explored and opposing opinions on how a society is run. And a lot of them end up on assumptions of um, certain 
<clears throat> views of human rights for sure. Some of them function on uh, what your definition of utility is in a society and, yeah. you know, majority versus minority. There's all these things and they're compelling. They're very different. And it does come down to a little bit about your own specific beliefs about, <clears throat> um, I guess, morality in a way, because at a personal level, it seems very simple to help those who need help. But at a governmental level and as a, at a culture and a society level, what does that mean? And that's a really big struggle, and I don't think that it should be um, overly simplified in that way. Um, but what we were saying in the um, well, shoot, I forgot. It was something. It was some <laughs> point we had made to each other in the email, but it was it had to do with that. Oh, it's. I, I mean, it. The, yeah, all these things are infinitely complex, to be sure. Um, the the some the, the what people vote thing. I almost read as a plea, though, and uh, there there. I feel like you know, my Twitter is full of people who are very confused and very feeling very betrayed by the Republican Party for a variety of I think like bald faced obvious reasons. And, uh, and I, a lot of the time, the tone, the tenor of it is similar to the let people vote where it's like that, that doesn't come across as a command so much as a, like, a please, like this seems relatively straightforward. Like even in the, um, with the Republican, uh, uh, like, or the situation in, uh, Pennsylvania where the, the, the Supreme court redistricted or, you know, uh, fixed up some gerrymandering. Um, it was a big, there was a lot of people who saw that as a huge win for, for voter fairness and stuff like that. But then uh, they're, they're trying to impeach the, I don't know where the status of this is now, but they were looking at, you know, questioning that decision and stuff. And, uh, it's like, well, can we, can we find anything here? Like, uh, can we all unify around, like, at what point does something have to happen that it's so, is so despicable that we can all, uh, do something about it? Like, um, you know, like what people vote, could we like agree on that? Or like, uh, you know, the, the people getting their children taken away at the border, could we agree that we should do something about that? Or like the, um, you know, the, we, I think like yesterday or the day before I have not read the details on it, but apparently the, um, being a vi gang or domestic violence are now considered private crimes or in the sense that like you can't seek asylum in the U S due to those things. Um, it's like, that seems fairly straightforward to say that that's not good. Could we agree that that is something we should do? And it just feels like the, um, the, there are, each of these things are, are offered up as like, could we, you know, could we at least. Yeah, but you don't, you don't you know? see how you can oversimplify the matter as a person. Sure. Yeah. If a person walks up to your door and they're hungry and they have no food and right. you're like, you know, well, I got a budget. I got a family budget, and honestly, we've only budgeted X amount of food for this week, and I just don't think we can add you to the budget. Sorry about that. No, as a, as a person who's not completely down and out themselves, you're not going to let somebody who truly needs help. Most I can't imagine that most people would right. um, just do nothing at all. So you're seeing this as a similar situation, but... I mean, I'm not going to – we we do – it. 
I think what I was going to say is that I do think that we should, as a society, take more risks to help those less fortunate than us, or at help least those who are stop taking less risks <laughs> would be fine. Right? Like, like I don't love the idea of well, me and my family first, and then we'll see. like. There is a practicality to that. You have to plan. You have to protect. You have to conserve, if you will, a certain uh, functional structure from which to help people. Right. But the idea that we don't want to take any risks, I think, is where it goes sort of bad. And yeah. so to say that con- to conserve the structure from which you can help people is very positive – but if we're not willing to take risks, if we're not willing to say, hey, it's going to be hard to integrate um, large populations of people or how do we do this? You know, who needs help? Who doesn't? You know, because people are selfish. So people, some people need help. Some people take advantage. Um, what's the long term goal of this? These are all thoughts that need to be thought. So, yes, I think you should take more risk. I think you say, hey, this is not going to necessarily be easy for our country but what do we stand for as a people yeah, let's yeah. try to let's try to push towards uh let's try to expose ourselves to a certain amount of hardship to to make sure that we're the kind of people that want good for everybody now that might not be everybody's moral creed and you know i can't argue with that mm. other than to say i have a different opinion but I do think that um, <clears throat> it's it can be, uh, yeah, it can all be true. Um, <sighs> <laughs> you were doing like, so well there. There's well, much more I, loquacious way of saying what I was trying to say. I think yeah, loquacious is the word I'm looking for. Loquacious, wordy. <laughs> yeah, well, no, um, I thought it was like wordy, but in like a good way, right? I don't think you, I don't think it's negative. Okay, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I think like, uh, the, the, yes, the the and I, at the very least, we're not dealing with a situation where uh, the right is trying to hold back on the left, pushing forward some incredibly reg- progressive policies. What we're dealing with right now is the left wondering, uh, being like openly confused that the status quo was that bad and the, that pulling back from the status quo and, and regressing into like a zero tolerance policy and committing, you know, when, when you, when you break it down to, to the families being separated from children, which apparently is not that new of a thing, uh, is my understanding. And, uh, it, it is, you could say that that's oversimplified, but at the same time, that's I, I, I feel like that's one of those things where if you uh, if you complicateify that enough to where you're you're tacitly approving of it, then you've you've maybe you've done the up is down thing, you know. And I, I think that the the um the people that that I see on Twitter are just wondering what we can unify on. Like, can we unify on these, like what, what are very hard to describe to as not as human rights violations being bad. Like what can we agree is bad? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I don't, it's, it's hard for me to imagine immediately how to, in a large 
con- uh, large context like media um, talk about something that divorces it enough from the idea of policy action that lets people talk about it like that. So it's like I was saying that you, there is some basic idea somewhere that, well, what is our feeling on moral basis for action? Yeah. What, what is our values? You know, are those really aligned? And if they're not, are we mad at other people for that? Or are we just different? And I think maybe we are a lot more similar and, that probably would come out in small groups of people conversing like that, uh, that are talking about personal backgrounds and, and ideas and what their priorities are in life, you know, for themselves or family, their, their moral, uh, sort of ideas and directions. Like, I think a lot of people would find common ground, especially if there was some situation like, Probably do a social experiment where you put groups of 10 people together with really radically different views on things and throw them into, uh, you know, situations that require an action based on um, different things and, and moral decisions. And I think you would see a large similarity on the actions that were ended up being taken. But then if you throw it into everyone talking about it at a, politically national level mm-hmm. well then i just don't see how to divorce it i don't have a good solution sadly yeah i but mean uh, i should lean the way you feel while yeah. trying to respect others as much as possible who aren't going in your direction mm. imagining that they're all, a lot like you all of these things have their limits though like uh, uh the the voting rights thing I mean, no one is explicitly being disallowed from. Well, voting, yeah, right? but like they have a reason. They 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 obviously have some reason that they're presenting. Right. That well, that's is what I'm saying. Specific, right? It's so obviously. Yeah, that's. It's, it's under the auspices of of re- preventing fraud, which which by all intents and purposes doesn't happen. But that's not what we're talking. Like we're at least giving them the benefit of the doubt that that's the motivation. I guess. Um, or it's, or, or it's, uh, you know, actually it's just mostly to prevent fraud, huh? I'm trying to think of a second reason you would ever reduce a voting role. Um, I'm, but like, I'm imagining that's it. Yeah. And, uh, so that's pretty thin, but I mean, the, the, the parents and children's thing, like it sounds very melodramatic, right? But it's not because it's a thing that has, is like documented to be happening by the like literal thousands. And, uh, there, so that's, that's a difficult one. And we are way too late into this podcast to like really reach any sort of like satisfying exit here. But like, um, that's not a middle ground sort of conversation is the problem. Like, I think that you're right. People in a room talking to one another will almost always end up agreeing and not like fist fighting. So you're saying the question is how to fix it, not should it be happening or not? It's well, either way, there isn't a middle like you either take a child away from their parents or you don't. There's so not- let's uh, let's put it this way. What if the they suggested, hey, we want to reduce fraud here. We want to try to expire people off these roles every two years. But we're sensitive to the fact that this might um, make it harder for some people to stay enrolled in voting. So whenever we expire people off the rolls yearly, 
we're going to put out a campaign that um, you know canvases neighborhoods and and a publicly funded campaign to ensure people's um, participation, all people's yeah. air in this area's equal access to participating in the voting system. That would be something that says, hey, maybe they really are concerned about fraud specifically because they're trying to mitigate some other negative effects that might happen. I think that if they were truly concerned about fraud and that was the real motivation, then there would be some sort of concession like that. But I mean, I also don't think it's actually about fraud. Um, so, I mean, Well, in this case, it would be actively trying to, assuming the premise, in this case, it would be actively trying to make sure that your opponent's voters are on the rolls. Yeah. Which it is a competitive system, and their opponents are really opponents of them. So I do see why that might not happen. Right. But perhaps in a a good world, that would be some kind of actual option for people. Sure. That that requires. Yeah. That that would. I mean, you can the the glaring lack of that sort of thing uh, sort of brings into question the, the whether the motivation is in good faith or not. Well, they'll just contest. I mean, and I don't know the details that that the marginalization proposed is not non-existent or not as um, it, it's not causing a effect nearly as dramatic as is being proposed by their opponents. Yeah, it's literally it's literally unpro- like it's very unprovable either way. Um, like voter turnout obviously is crazy low just in general across the whole country. Like right, like but maybe 40%. I, yeah, maybe I would say agree that if I saw more positive action in politics, it would restore my faith in participating in the system. Right. Yeah, so in sure. the case, in that case, it was like, you know, well, let's make sure. Um, people are safe and can vote and have an option to be here and there rather than like sort of pulling back from each other more. So, yeah, no, that's, that's it. That's, and, and I think that that stems from, uh, like I said, uh, the more to be more brusque about it, that it's, that it's not about fraud and fraud is a, is a, um, sort of a, a, a front, uh, for like the actual reason to do that, which is to play defense for your party. Uh, but like, I also think it comes down to that, that this isn't, and the, the, and the parents, children thing, like the immigrant thing, that's, uh, this isn't a case of two people with a common goal arguing about how to get there. Um, and I think that a lot of the time, what confuses the folks on my timeline and on, over on, over in liberal Twitter is um, they are still assuming that we have the same goal um, to a large degree, and that um, and I think that like the the the, the separating the parents of children or the zero tolerance policy or whatever all these things are, um, these are not ways to uh, to address. These aren't ways to uh, keep immigrant terrorists out of the country or whatever. Um, and the, these aren't necessarily done for. Uh, this this isn't two parties disagreeing on a co- on how to execute a common goal. Like I think that there's there, it's too different. Like they're they aren't well, like we aren't both agreeing that the Statue of Liberty has the right wording on it, and it's just the nuance of the wording or something. Um, I, that that feels a little trite, I guess. But <laughs> but like I it, it 
it feels like the the goal is not even the same. Like the goal, right? So you know the the idea that's being enacted that's causing this. Mm-hmm. You can't dismiss it completely. Is it stopping? The question is: Is this stopping enough of our problems to warrant what we're what actions we're taking right. um, against other humans? I, so I, yeah. to to prevent terrorists from coming in, to prevent gang members, you know, as a sort of a blanket statement for criminal actors right. seeking to abuse the system, which is a hundred percent going to be true in cases, right? People mm. always try to abuse these things. Is how much are we willing to how far are we willing to go to protect ourselves from those real threats, right? To say that the threats aren't real makes the other side just be like, you don't know what's going on. Right. We're protecting you and you don't even know it. Mm. Well, how far are we willing to go? And I think it's a very fair question. I think, again, I would say, I think that on the line, I would lean more towards putting ourselves at risk more in an effort to preserve human rights, even when it means that you you know people will be taking advantage of you yeah. um, through it. You're trying to mitigate that as a practical matter, but... I like putting it as a, I like framing it as risk. I think that's a good uh, yeah, way to put it's it. like a risk. Assessment. Yeah, and, and like there's, I mean, the 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 actual amount of danger and crimes crimes being done by the by the immigrants is disproportionately small to the way it's talked about. So like the the rhetoric around that stuff is is questionable at best and actively harmful at worst. So there's that. Um, but I, yeah, man, we get, I have no idea how to wrap this up. I'm glad that we're more or less coming at like ending up at the same conclusions. Although I think we, uh, in general, I feel like your method of getting there is a lot more, uh, well-rounded than mine. I have to stop the podcast at some point. Do you want to say something funny really quick? Uh, I keep losing my train of thought. I think, um, maybe I should have had coffee. Uh, I don't know. Let me think. (laughs) We should outlaw pennies. Shame.